It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study for the last day of January 2008, January 31st. And we're live. We're ready to take your phone calls at 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, it's great to be with you on the virtual Bible study on a on a cold, rainy Wednesday or a Thursday night here in Columbia, Tennessee. And I think some of our listeners probably up north of us are getting snow. So it's a good night to just be in, gather the family around the, the computer and join in for a period of Bible study. That's right. We're hoping you'll stay tuned for the next hour as we open up the pages of God's Word to find out what God has revealed for us in it. And we look forward to your participation. This is a listener interactive program, Dad, where, fortunately for our listeners, nobody has to listen to us for a whole hour. That's right. If you don't want to hear us just talk for an hour, we need to get your input. And and you can can offer your feedback to us and get involved in the discussion tonight in some simple ways. One is to send us email. We're constantly monitoring our email all throughout the program. And so if you send us uh, an email, hopefully within just a matter of a few seconds after you send that, it'll find its way through cyberspace and get to our computer. Uh, The email address is questions at collegeview.com. Collegeview, remember, is spelled a little bit oddly, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E. Uh, so that's collegeview.com, questions at collegeview, view is V-U-E, collegeview.com. Then, of course, you can call us. Jacob, you already gave the number, 877. It's a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. You can call us on that. We'll pick up the tab. And then also, uh, we've been trying to promote a new means of communication that we have available on our website, but we, we're having trouble getting anybody to take us up on that, Jacob. If you will go to our website at the very page where you clicked on to listen to the program tonight, there's a a new orange button there. It has kind of an odd name to it because it's a commercial service that we're using called MyChingo, MyChingo.com. And it's really easy to use. If you will click on that uh, orange button, it will take you, uh, uh, another window will pop up, and it will give you very simple instructions. You you need to have a, a... a simple microphone that you—that's all you need. Nothing complicated. Just a simple microphone that you can plug into your computer, uh, and then—and you don't have to download any software or anything. You just record the message. You can listen to it, and make sure it sounds the way you want it to sound, and then you just send it to us, and it comes to us. We pop it open, and we can listen to it, and we can put it on the air. So, that's a new—a a new means available. Uh, some of you all must be pretty timid about having your voice uh, recorded and played over the Internet because we're not having any luck getting people to take us up on that new feature. But we'd like for somebody to try that out. If you just try it out to the extent of saying, my name is so-and-so and I live in such a place and I like to listen to the virtual Bible study, we'd like those kind of testimonials. Send us something like that or send us a response to our questions. Jacob, we sent out a couple questions earlier today. 
to our update list. Uh, again, we're always asking if you want to be on that update list, just send us an email. Questions at collegeview.com say put me on your list. But we send out a couple of questions every Thursday so we can get some feedback started even before the program airs. And the, the questions we sent out today had to do with the subject of prayer. And that's the subject that we want to address on the virtual Bible study tonight. We, we asked two really simple questions. One, list three things that we could and should do to improve our prayers. And number two, is it right to address prayers to Jesus? Briefly explain why or why not. That's been sort of a controversial subject, and I know brethren differ over that. In fact, we're getting some emails that's going to indicate that maybe we'll have some difference of opinions or different views on this. But the question is, is it right to address our prayers to Jesus why or why not? So those are our two questions. We'd like your feedback. Now is the time to weigh in on those questions. We're going to hold the uh, second question, the question about praying to Jesus towards the, the latter end of the program tonight. So if you're going to compose an email about your thoughts on that subject, do that now. Or if you'd like to join in on the phone, you can call anytime throughout the hour at 877-381-4567. Those are the ways you join in on the discussion as we talk about prayer and this is an important subject for us spiritually, Dad, a subject that we need to all be considering and thinking about on a regular basis, and that is our prayer and how it can be more effective. You know, I was kind of surprised, Jacob, when we were looking to our archives and different topics that we'd covered. I was rather surprised to find out that we had not had a program devoted to the subject of prayer. Actually, I think that ought to be really important to Christians. That ought to be something that we're doing every day. Uh, it, it ought to be something we're concerned about making it right and doing it the best way we possibly can. And so uh, it's a worthy consideration, I think. All right. Join in on the discussion. Let us know your thoughts. How can we make our prayer better? And what about praying to Jesus? Is that something that we ought to be doing? Let us know your thoughts again on the phone or over email. Well, want to go ahead and take some of our listeners' feedback on how we can uh, make our prayer better? Thanks to improve our prayers, Randy, our friend Randy in Jackson, Missouri, has written and said, number one, strive to pray for things known to be in God's will. Number two, praise God first in our prayers and spend most of our, our prayer time praising him. And three, after praising God, then move to thanksgiving. And last of all, pray for self. I like all three of the things Randy has said, Jacob. First of all, there's no use praying for something that's not in the will of God. And I think, I think that that's, that's a good point, but it needs to be stressed. Don't ask God for things that he's already said that he's not going to do. You know, I mean, you could think of some very obvious, uh, uh, examples of that. Uh, but for instance, you know, an obvious example would be, I want to pray to God that I live forever. Well, he, he's already told us it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27, that'd be a fruitless, futile and actually unscriptural and wrong prayer to pray to God to do something he's already told us he's not going to do. It's not in his will. Now, in a more in more practical application of that point, you know, he's not I, I, there's no use for me to pray for him to forgive me for sins I won't repent of, for instance. Let's say I've got this problem, this thing that I'm doing. I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't be doing it. And I pray to God, forgive me. But I haven't I haven't made the commitment to repent of it, to give it up. That would be praying for something that's not in his will. And we might think of other examples of that, but I think Randy makes a, a good and obvious point is pray for things that are according to his will. Exactly right. And also he makes a note here that we should uh, not spend all of our time 
praying for self. That's a temptation in prayer to be focused on ourself and uh, not praising and thanking God for the blessings that we enjoy. You know, if you were to speak to, I mean, just in our personal relationships, if there's somebody who comes to you and without ever having said hello, how you doing, what's going on, they every time they come to you, all they do is asking you for something they want you to do for them. You know, hey, can I can I borrow your car? You got, you got, I need some, you got, you got these tools. I need this tool or that tool. They don't even take time to say, hello, how are you? They immediately stop, start pressing you for things they want you to do for them. Now, hopefully we're of such a mind that we're inclined to do things for people, but that's going to rub us wrong if all we ever get from somebody and the first word out of their mouth is them asking us for something without ever even saying, how do you do? Well, think about that in relationship to God, you know? We need to spend time praising God and thanking him for the things that he's done for us. And, it, it you know, uh, th- those ought to be important parts of our prayer. We ought to spend time developing the capacity of praise toward God. That's not something that comes easily, by the way. I think that's something that we can work at. And there's some good helps in doing that. One of the great helps in learning how to praise God is to read like the book of Psalms, which is full of praise to God and learn how it's done. Learn some appropriate wording and develop the capacity to be able to praise God effectively. That's a very important thing. So I think Randy's right on the mark when he says spend lots of time in our prayers praising God and thanking him. Certainly prayer is for asking the things that we need, and we're given that authority to do so. But we need to work on the other parts of prayer. We need to focus on God more than on ourselves, and that will help us in our prayer, help us to realize who is in control and uh, the the God that we are praying to. So we appreciate those thoughts from Randy tonight. Jason in Pennsylvania chimes in on his three things that can improve our prayers. He says, number one, we must remember who we are talking to. We are talking to the holy God who created all things. Doing this should keep us humble in our approaching God, which is a vital attitude to have in prayer. And so uh, Jason says, remember that you're talking to God. Uh, a lot of people, though, Dad, and uh, are taking a casual approach to their prayer, uh, talking to God like he is uh, one of the guys or maybe uh, just another another person. Uh, that's a casual approach. We need to be avoiding that. Along those lines, Randy in, in uh, Jackson, Missouri, asked this question. Is it okay to call God Daddy in our prayers? I have a friend who rarely uses the title Father, but often uses Daddy in his prayers. What about that? Um, he said he goes on to say he uses the Abba passages as his reason, uh, and in those passages, you know, uh, Jesus called upon God as Abba, Father, and which is a term. I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not. Sure, I could give a literal definition of Abba, but I understand it to be a term of of affection, like a child would speak to his father. Uh, But it seems to me like that considering who God is and his greatness and his power and, you know, the very creator of all the physical universe, that it seems inappropriate to me to use casual or common terms. It seems to me like we want to show a degree of reverence and respect regarding who we're speaking to. That's what Jason says. He says we're talking to the holy God who created all things. Doing this should keep us humble in our approaching God, which is a vital attitude to have in prayer. Jason goes on in number two. He says, use the scriptures in your prayers, especially the Psalms. So you and Jason think alike, Dad. He says, use the Psalms in your prayers. Yeah, and again, I think that's a great tool. 
next time that you read the Psalms, read them with a with an eye toward learning uh, some of that kind of terminology that that is used in praising God and develop a, a, a sort of a, a uh, an ease in using those kinds of expressions make it make it natural make it feel natural to you to speak to god with that kind of terminology i think that'll be very helpful and number three jason says instead of making every prayer in a certain format just talk to him as a child talks to a father well i, I do think that we want to keep our prayers from being sort of mechanical or rote we want them we want them to be uh from the heart and sincere and genuine uh, so uh, I would agree that, you know, we, we don't want to just have formatted prayers and then make sure we check off all the all the points in the format so that we can say that we prayed as we should have. It needs to, it needs to be more heartfelt than that. So I would agree that that's that's a good suggestion. Thank you for your comments tonight, Jason, on the virtual Bible study. We'll take a break and give you time to join in on the discussion tonight. The way you participate is 877-381-4567. That line is open and available to you right now to join in on the discussion. You know, Dad, we're talking about prayer. This should be be something that we think about on a daily basis, and certainly everyone listening tonight uh, will have ideas and comments on how we can make our prayers better. We would like to hear from them on the phone. We'd also like to hear from you over email, questions at collegeview.com. We'll take a short break and give you time to get in on the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll thank you in advance for your participation because we're looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Our good friend Jack John Georgia has sent an email, and basically he's just saying this is a worthy topic. He said one thing we have to remember is that most people don't know how to pray, and what they have learned may have been learned from others who have done it wrong. Since prayer is so vital, it must be taught frequently. You don't hear many lessons or sermons on praying and the right way to do it. Most are lost about how to go about doing it. We need ongoing lessons directed toward effective praying we all need to know the when, where, and how of prayer. So Jack is basically saying he thinks it's a good topic. Appreciate that, Jack, and glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. All right, and uh, we're waiting to hear from you again on the phone or over email about three ways where that you can use to in, improve your prayer 
I think I saw some other emails popping up there, Dad. Any uh, other comments that we can add? We got one from Brian up in, in in central Indiana, and I think Brian may be one of those who's getting some heavy snow tonight. Brian, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study. Hope you're not just snowed in there, but at least you still got your Internet well, connection. You're saying you hope he has something. This is not the only thing you can find to do, right? You're, no, no. Well, okay. I mean, what a, how could you better spend your time right. if you're snowed in than listening to the virtual right. Bible study? Yeah, some people might say, i got nothing else to do. I'll listen to the virtual no, Bible No, no, we don't okay. mean that. Okay. But we're glad you're listening, Brian. He says three things to do to improve your prayer. Pray for wisdom. You know, and I think that's that, that's always a valuable thing. Wisdom is the idea of, of the ability to apply what we know. We don't pray for knowledge because knowledge, you've got to acquire the knowledge yourself. You've got to invest the time and the energy, get into the Word of God, read it, study it, uh, you know, know it. That's something you can do for yourself. And I think it's notable in the Bible that you don't find people praying for knowledge, but we're told to pray for wisdom in James chapter 1. Verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Basically, if you were to break that verse down, Dad, we have a command to pray for wisdom, unless we've already got all the wisdom that we need, and I don't think anybody would sign up for that. Yeah, so it, it, we're commanded to pray for wisdom, and wisdom is you know, to to have the have the ability to apply the things that we've learned and know. And that's something, that's the challenge of Christian living. And we may know what to do, and but having the the wisdom to apply it, that's that's great. So I think that's a good point Brian suggests. Then he says, pray for the church leaders, elders, deacons. And he, he goes on to say, pray for the sick, the spiritually weak, those who've been withdrawn from, so forth. You know, if you stop to think about just the people in your own local congregation, the leaders of the local church, the the, the elders, uh, the 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 specially appointed servants, the deacons, uh, pray for the Bible class teachers and and others who are doing various uh, important uh, work in the local congregation. That that fills up a good bit of time. Then you think about the sick, the physically sick who need prayers. Uh, we're encouraged to pray for them, and the spiritually weak and sick and struggling. Uh, those who have real you know, problems that have even led maybe to the point of being withdrawn from, as Brian suggests, you know, there's there's several minutes worth of praying right there that needs to be done on a regular basis. I'm seeing a, a recurring theme here as we talk about focusing on God and then focusing on the needs of others. Uh, we're really taking the focus off of ourselves in prayer a lot of times, and uh, maybe that's one of the beneficial things of prayer that we could talk about. Exactly right. And then he, he adds one more here, pray for world leaders. The scriptures also encourage us to pray for world leaders. That's that's something that we find in the Word of God. In uh, for, is it First Timothy two? I'm thinking of First Timothy two, verse one. Paul says, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior." So uh, definitely. Pray for world leaders with the emphasis on the idea that we will have peace that will allow the the free worship of God and the furtherance of the gospel in the world. That's an important prayer. So Brian's got some good suggestions there. Thank you, Brian, for those. Thank you, Brian, for uh, your participation on the program tonight. Time to take your emails or your phone. We'd like to hear from you. Join in on the discussion now. And then we've got a, an email from Anthony here in uh, – Oh no! Wait, a minute. Anthony's ask, answering the second one, Jacob. So hang on to that. We're gonna we're, we're we're still holding that second question in abeyance. We want to get your input. We think that we might have some differences of opinion on this. We want to get your input. Should we 
could we pray to Jesus, address our prayers to Jesus rather than the Father? That's going to be the question we want to deal with. We're going to kind of hold that to the last thing that we talk about tonight, but I do think it's an important one. So get us your get us your emails uh, as to how we can improve our prayers. That's what we're talking about right now. And then should we or could we pray, address our prayers to Jesus? Jacob, I think there's some more things that we could talk about as potential improvements to prayer. And one of those would be simply to pray more than we're doing right now. Our prayers will be better if we pray more. Certainly so. We're uh, told to pray often and uh, to pray without ceasing, in fact, is the instruction, Dad. And uh, just on the surface, that sounds like we ought to be praying a lot. Yeah, First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. We always ought to be mind, in a mindful uh, attitude toward prayer. In other words, it ought to be something that we could do and do do just frequently throughout the day at various intervals as we feel the need for prayer. We have the example of Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10. Remember that his enemies, those those who who were envious of Daniel because he had a favored status in the kingdom, they were looking for some way to entrap him, to cause him to take a fall. And they knew that he was such a man of prayer that if they could get the king to sign an ordinance saying, you can't pray to any god, you got to pray to me, they knew they could entrap Daniel because they knew Daniel. They knew Daniel's practice in prayer. They knew he would continue to pray to God. Well, they got King Darius to sign off on that. But notice what Daniel did in Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four time. In other words, Daniel didn't change his practice. What was his practice? Daniel prayed at least three times a day. And so he was regular in prayer. He prayed frequently. It'd be interesting if we could take a poll of those who are listening tonight. How many times do you think that you pray in a given day? Do you pray three times a day or more? Is prayer something you do frequently? We ought, our prayers can improve if we simply pray more. And First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 isn't telling us that we have to pray 24 hours a day. Uh, there are certainly other things that God requires for, from us in his, our service to him. The idea is with that word, pray without ceasing, Dad, that the idea of that, uh, of that verse is that we are constant and uh, continual. It's a regular part of our life, and that needs to be our goal, to make prayer a more regular part of our life. Our friend Chris in Lexington, Tennessee, has just emailed in, and he, his comments are right along these lines. Three things to do to improve your prayers. One, pray. Two, pray again. Three, Pray some more. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. He says, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the world that we do not take time to pray, and we suffer spiritually because of it. We need to study about how to pray, but we must actually do it. God wants us to talk to him. It's harder to stumble when we are on our knees in prayer. So Chris has got a good idea there, and he go, his suggestion is the same as the one we were just talking about there, Jacob. Pray more. I think that Certainly. our prayers are going to be better if we do. Thank you, Chris, for joining us tonight and for those good comments. Well, uh, let's hear from you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we should be praying more and more regularly, and it should be a continual part of our life. Exactly right. And as we're praying more, Jacob, I think a second thing we could add in there is be more specific in your prayers. Uh, you know, it, one of the I think one of the traps we fall into is just being real generic about praying. Uh, one of our emails we just read said, you know, pray for the elders, pray for the deacons, pray for the sick. 
Well, I think that's a good point. And, and, and as you're praying for them, pray for them specifically. We've got two elders here at College View. Pray for them by name. Uh, we've got uh, four deacons. Pray for them by name. We've got uh, sick folks. Specifically name them. Instead of just saying, Father, I pray for the sick, name the sick. Name their situations. And, and that's going to that's gonna make you more, that's going to help you be more constantly aware of those needs uh, and, and is really going to, I think, help stimulate you to be more involved in addressing the physically sick, the spiritually weak. As you think about members of the church that you know that are dealing with spiritual issues, name those people in prayer to God. Specifically talk to him about those things. You know, some people say, well, I just don't know what to pray about. And I don't even you know, how, how, how do you how do you pray more than a 30 second prayer? You know, I, I can say everything I know how to say to God in 30 seconds. I just have trouble making my prayers, uh, have, you know, have any substance or length or depth to them. Well, here's a really easy suggestion. Be more specific. Exactly right. All right. And uh, one thing that's fundamental to making our prayers uh, more um, powerful and uh, improve our prayers is to have more faith in our prayers. I think a lot of times uh, we pray because we think we should pray. Uh, it's just something that we do. We know in certain circumstances you're to pray, and so you just do it. You don't know if it's going to work or not, but you throw it out there and give it a try. Those kind of prayers are doomed to failure. We've been told that very clearly in James chapter 1. And beginning of verse 5, we read verse 5, and you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Basically, if you don't believe that God will answer your prayer, don't waste your breath asking him because uh, he's not going to answer that prayer. He tells us very clearly that if you don't have faith, don't bother praying about it. So weak, weak faith produces futile prayers, according to James 1. And it also six. produces weak Christians. We read in verse 8 of James chapter 1, a double-minded man uh, is unstable in all his ways. And so this lack of faith in our prayers, it filters down through the rest of our lives as Christians. Exactly right. Now, how do I get greater faith? And I'm, I'm to pray in faith. Actually, that sort of links prayer with Bible study because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So, you know, if the more I study, the more I learn, the greater my faith comes by exposure to the word of God. And that's going to make me have stronger prayers because I have stronger faith. All right. If you wanted to gain that faith in, in your prayers, what where would you look in the Bible to help gain that, that faith? Well, there are examples of prayer in the Bible. We, we have the prayers that we're going to talk some about that a little later in the program about how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And we have examples of prayers in the Bible about things people prayed for. We might look at that a little later. What were some of the things, for instance, the early Christians prayed for? We can look to that in the Bible. We can gain that information. So, we can also look to the Old Testament and uh, the, the prayers that were heard in the Old Testament and how God dealt with his people then. All things that we could use to develop our faith. But again, if we don't have faith in the prayer, we might as well not bother praying the prayer. Exactly right. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. I say we're coming up on another break, Jacob, but we might add another point here. How can, we, how can my prayers be better? Well, make a conscious point to avoid selfishness in prayer. Praying selfishly is condemned in the Bible in James chapter 4, verse 2. James writes, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. 
James there suggests the idea of a purely selfishly motivated prayer being wrong and unacceptable. Uh, but as as we think about our prayers, I, I would just, again, challenge people, think about your own prayers and think about the high percentage of the time in prayer that you are asking for yourself. And if that's the case, if you find that as you analyze your personal prayers that you are asking primarily things about and for yourself, then you, your prayers can be improved tremendously by trying to move out of that selfish mode Begin to think beyond yourself in your prayers. I think that would be an important thing. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take that break and give you time to be a part of the program. Again, the number is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. Be queuing those emails and getting ready to dial the phone because in a few minutes, we're going to switch gears and we're going to address the subject and the question of praying to Jesus. What do you think the Bible teaches about that? That is a question on many people's mind. How do you answer that question? What is your view of the question, can we pray to Jesus? We we'll hope you'll join in on that, and we hope you'll give us your suggestions on how we can improve our prayer. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're talking about prayer and how we can make it better and how we can improve our prayers, and uh, we look forward to you joining in on that discussion uh, we talked about uh, how we can have greater faith in our prayer, Dad, and that you said we could look to examples of prayers. Yeah, it? I think that's, in other words, if I want to, I want my faith to grow, I want to know more, and therefore, uh, by an increased faith, have more effective prayers. And so, w- what did people pray for in the Bible? Let's, we could look real quick. I, I just got, I, I have some notes here, Jacob, that I, I've had about. Things that the early Christians prayed for that you can see in the book of Acts, just in the book of Acts. Okay, so, I mean, there's plenty of books in the Bible, but just think of the book of Acts. From the book of Acts, what do we know that the early Christians prayed for? Well, in chapter 1, at verse 24, they were the, the apostles were, were uh, trying to find a replacement for Judas, and they prayed before they made that important decision. So praying before an important decision would be one of the things early Christians prayed for. All right. Um, 
And interesting in that prayer, they they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen. So some praise of God there that was uh, at the beginning of that prayer. They they praised and acknowledged. Even, even when they had a specific thing they were requesting, they took time to praise God before they asked for it. All right. Um, that's an interesting uh, observation, though, that they, they prayed before an important decision. Uh, we certainly should follow that uh, that example. Certainly something that's easy to forget, but something that we need to remember. Then in chapter 4, and we don't need to take time to read this whole section, but in chapter 4, beginning verse 23, they prayed when they were being threatened and persecuted for preaching the gospel. They prayed for boldness to continue preaching the gospel in the face of threats and persecution. Uh, so, in other words, they, they felt a need. They were they were under threat, and they felt a need, and they prayed to God. What about us? When we When we feel, you know, Various kinds of trials or temptations or, or troubles, pray, pray during those times. That's what early Christians did. Uh, we know in chapter 7, they prayed for their enemies and persecutors. We have the example of Stephen praying uh, as he's being stoned to death. We're going to comment about that here in a minute when we talk about praying to Jesus. But we prayed. They, he prayed for his enemies and persecutors. Uh, in chapter 8, they petitioned God for forgiveness of their own sins. Uh, because we know that Simon the sorcerer was told after he had, he was a Christian and he sinned. And after he sinned, he was told to pray for forgiveness upon his repentance. So praying for forgiveness was something they did. And they prayed for safety, protection, and deliverance. Uh, uh, several episodes that we could cite there, but in chapter 12, verses 5 through 12, we see an instance where they prayed for their safety, protection, and deliverance. So those are just some examples just from the book of Acts about what early Christians prayed for. All right. We see what they prayed for, some examples there. And we also can look in the book of Acts and find circumstances in which they prayed. Uh, there was prayer involved before they sent men out to preach the gospel to the lost. In Acts chapter 6, verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So some prayer involved in uh, sending people out to preach the gospel. Also in chapter 13, right as they were sending out Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey, they they prayed. Um, they prayed when they appointed qualified men to serve as elders, chapter 14, verse 23. They prayed when in physical danger and discouragement. Again, we already cited chapter 12, verse 5 and following, chapter 16, verse 25, chapter 20, verse 36 and following. When they were in physical danger and discouragement, they prayed. Um Chapter 21 records an instance when Paul and others prayed together when they were separating or parting company from those that they loved. And then uh, something interesting. Uh, one time I had a guy challenge me, you know, we typically pray before we eat meals. And I had a guy ask me, why do you do that? Where's the Bible authority for that? Paul did it in Acts chapter 27, verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. So there's an example. So again, and that's just a quick rundown in the book of Acts. Now, that's just one book in the Bible, but look what we can learn from pr about prayer in that one uh, simple book. So again, if you're going to pray, pray with great faith, you're going to look to the Word of God to establish that faith, and it's going to give you the information you need. So uh, that's a good pointer, I think, how to improve prayers. What do you think? Give us an email. Give us a phone call. How could we improve our prayers? I'll tell you something else that we can do that will really encourage our prayers or make them better is to be enthusiastic about it, Jacob. I think a lot of people say, okay, well, I'm going to pray because I know I'm supposed to. I have to. It's it's a requirement. 
and so I will do it. I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't even like to do it, and I don't really have time. I'm busy. I don't have the time to do it, but I'm going to that's entirely the wrong attitude of prayer. Be enthusiastic, but you want your prayers to be better than be enthusiastic about prayer. James 5, verse 16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, and then it uses Elijah as an example of that. Enthusiasm in prayer is important. It makes, makes your prayers better. All right, so we do have to be enthusiastic. And you, as you mentioned, it's easy to get into a routine and uh, I guess the enthusiasm and the faith are closely tied together there. If we don't have the faith that we should have, it's going to be hard for us to be enthusiastic. On the on the contrary, if we uh, have the faith that we should and we realize that God hears us and that he will answer our prayers, then it's very easy to be enthusiastic about going before the Creator. Why couldn't you get excited about that? Exactly right. All right, uh, let's jump on to the phones tonight and go down to Athens, Alabama, and welcome Brad to the phone. Hello, Brad. Hey there, guys. You guys doing okay? Doing good. Thanks for calling. Uh, I apologize if any of this is repeat. I've sort of been in and out, but I, I had some notes I wanted to share with you. I, I think you've mentioned looking at some uh, some Bible examples for how to pray, and I think that's a very good good place to, to learn how to pray better. A couple of examples I have, uh, one from the Psalms in 119, verses 137 and 138. Righteous are you, O God. And upright are your judgments, your testimonies, which you have commanded, are righteous and very faithful. So this this idea of sort of praising God, I guess telling him what he already knows, but that's certainly a legitimate, a legitimate thing to do in prayer. And then uh, Psalm 51, uh, beginning in the first verse, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my, uh, my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. So this, uh, I mean, it's, I don't know that anybody really needs a lot of teaching as far as this kind of thing goes, but certainly illustrates the attitude that we ought to have when we ask God uh, for forgiveness. Um, over in Acts three, when the disciples prayed, I think it's I think it's uh, striking they didn't they didn't pray for so much for uh, safety and for God to go easy on them, or, or rather for for them to have an easy time, but rather they prayed for boldness. Uh, so not 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 uh, let us have it a little bit easier, God, but fine. Let us face the hard times, but just let us have the the, the spine to, to to stand up. I guess you might say. That's interesting, Brad, because a lot of times we want the problems to just go away, but uh, right. God just told us that uh, we need to go through some of the problems in order to be what he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I, th- I think you've already covered um, making sure that you pray regularly, an easy habit to break. So if you just if you just stick with it and make sure you put it first, don't, don't let something else get in the way, you'll, you know, I think your prayers will be more uh, uh, effectual. I, th- I think we just tend to pray better uh, when, when we do that. And something I'm not sure I've heard you mention is um, actually giving forethought um, before you sit down to pray. Maybe even, especially if you have uh, people in particular you want to pray for, either uh, the sick or, or somebody who's struggling with something, or, or specific issues that you want to pray about, perhaps something that's going on in the community or something that, that the country is facing. Well, sit, sit down and make a list. There's nothing. No, nobody says that you can't read from a list when you pray uh, to make sure that you, you, you cover all these things because if they're legitimate, I mean, if, if they're concerns that you have, uh, they're legitimate to bring before God. Uh, and, and if you believe what James has to tell us about, about believing that God will grant these things to you, uh, and, and if you don't believe those things, then you may as well not pray to be you, know, you may as well go ahead and bring them before him. 
uh, there's no reason to leave those things out. You know, Brad, if you had an uh, this is Greg speaking. If you had a if you had an opportunity to have an audience with the President of the United States, it's very likely oh. that you would spend time in advance thinking about what you were going to say to him. Absolutely. Exactly. When would you extend your hand, and when would you? And when then would would you introduce your wife, and making sure you don't forget to introduce? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, yeah. You'd choreograph all of that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, make exactly. Sure it didn't go wrong. And uh, I mean, would you allow me to go ahead and comment on question two? Sure. Yeah, yeah, you, you can you, kick it off because it's about time to kick it off, anyways, Brad. So you get the first call. Okay. Um, my, although I've, I'm not sure that I'm I'm hard and fast on this, but my. My inclination is no. I'll say it. I'll, I'll defend it this way. Um, we should not address our prayers to Jesus because there's no example that I know of, or at least not a, not one that we could, that I think that we could prove conclusively in the Bible where someone addresses Jesus. And, and there's there's no command. Uh, and and getting back to the idea of not really being able to. to to uh, to prove that uh, that somebody is was praying to Jesus, if we ever have uh, a prayer recorded in the Bible, uh, we don't really have a necessary inference in that regard. And maybe I'll give an example here. Over in Acts chapter four, by the way, I may have said Acts chapter three earlier when I was referencing the the, the prayer that, that the disciples prayed for boldness. That's Acts chapter four. But uh, in that very prayer. Um, one thing that's brought out, uh, if you begin, let's see, Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord. So they addressed God as Lord. And do we know that God here is the Father or the Son? Well, if you look on down to verse uh, 30, uh, again, still still addressing God, uh, or, or Lord as they called him in verse 29, it says, By stretching out your hand to heal, and that the that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So they seem to make a distinction between the God, the, the, the person of the God whom they are addressing, and Jesus himself. Uh, however, over in Second Corinthians chapter 12, it's maybe a little ambiguous. Uh, and that's the reason I'm saying I can't I can't find a place where I'm certain that the person being addressed is Jesus. It, 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 at the very best or worst, maybe I could say it's it's ambiguous. And if you look at what Paul has to say in verse eight, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eight, uh, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Well, who's the Lord in this case? Was it Jesus? Because he was certainly called the Lord, or, or was it God? Uh, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is uh, made perfect in weakness. I don't know about you guys, but, but in my New King James Bible, those words are in red. Uh, therefore, he goes on to say, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, if... That, that may come as close as anything that I can think of right this minute to, to saying, okay, he, sa- he says that the Lord tells him my strength is perfect in weakness, and then he goes on to say that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But uh, that, it's just not conclusive to me. I, I, I still lean on no, uh, that we need to address our, our prayers to the Father and not to the Son. And I might ask one other question along these lines. If it is, if, if in fact we do determine that it is not proper for us to address Jesus in prayer, then what about several songs that are in our songbooks where we are essentially doing that? Uh, Jesus, uh, give the weary. Uh, I, I'm forgetting the. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the song right this minute. But but there there are a number of times when when we are asking Jesus in songs, 
and there are people that I've had this discussion with, do we pray to Jesus or do we pray to the Father? Uh, but, but then when we start leading singing, we, we, we seem to forget yeah. <laughs> about our conviction that, at that point. Yeah, we, we, need to, we, we need to decide one way or the other on it, and then we need to sing appropriately based upon that decision, think about our song so we can pray, or sing in, in the spirit. And yeah, yeah, I think whatever you say about praying to Jesus, you're going to have to be consistent in regards to the... Because a lot of songs that we sing do make prayerful requests to Jesus, and if we conclude it's wrong to pray to Jesus, right. then then it would wouldn't be those those songs would not have scriptural meaning or content. So we got to be consistent there. I that's think. right. And I guess I guess just to be clear, that that's not to say that we cannot sing to Jesus in in any way. I mean, if it's a song of praise, that's most most certainly praise, praise is different uh, than prayer. That's right. That's right. But 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 asking things of Him, mm, I'm a little nervous about that. Okay, right. we're going to comment about that, Brad. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. We appreciate okay. you introducing the we're subject. We're going to put part. you down as a no, though, in your okay, response. Yeah, yeah and, I, I put and, me down as a no. That's fine. And, but you're still listening, and you're going to you'll be studying along with us for the rest of the program. That's right. Thank you, Brad, for calling. Good to hear Thank from you. you. Good All night. right. All right. Uh, the line is open now, and uh, it's time for you to jump in on the phone at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven or over email questions at collegeview.com. One more break, and then we take it to the top of the hour talking about this question. Can we pray to Jesus? Jump on now. Let us know your thoughts. We'll be back after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study. And uh, we want to hear from you as we talk about uh, praying to Jesus as we conclude our program tonight on prayer. We're asking the question, is it appropriate? Does God allow for us to pray to Jesus? Does God expect us to pray to Jesus? Does God even command that we pray to Jesus? Let us know your thoughts on the phone or over email tonight. I want to take a question from Mike in Cullioka, Tennessee, real quick before we get to that, Jacob. He says, does God hear or answer our prayers before we end our prayers in Jesus' name? Uh, You know, I, I think in Jesus' name tells us the authority by which we pray. I don't think that there's a formula of words we have to say. In other words, we don't have to say exactly in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers to make it you know, sort of. I used to think when I was a kid that that was sort of like the the, the rocket that propelled that to God. You know, you got to say that, and then boom, 
off they go to God. I don't I know better now that that's simply an expression denoting the authority by which we pray. And it's not a rote formula of words that we have to say in our prayers. God knows our prayers. And I believe that he's he's attuned to our prayers as we are praying them as to, you know, does he answer our prayers before we finished? And I don't know how to answer that exactly, but I'm I'm confident. I believe the Bible thoroughly expresses uh, the fact that God is aware of our prayers. Our prayers come up before him as incense before his throne, it says in the book of Revelation. All right. So thank you for that question, Mike. Okay. What about praying to Jesus? We're going to continue the discussion, and we'd like for your comments to be included in them. So get on the phone or send an email and let us know your thoughts about we, praying to Jesus. We already got an input from Brad, and I think Brad gives us the input to say he said no. Uh, let's let's see here. We've got several who've commented about this. Um, Randy says, and we want to go to this argument because we're seeing it over and over again. He says, Stephen prayed to Jesus, Acts 17, verse 9. That was That's all he commented. Actually, Acts, Acts 7, 59. What did I say? You Acts. said 15, 17, verse 9. No, it's 7, verse 59. Yeah. <laughs> that's dyslexia. Uh, uh, 7, verse 59 says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Let me answer that right now because we're going to see that that point made over and over again. I'll tell you how I answer that. Notice that it says, uh, in uh, Stephen's being stoned, it says in verse 59, he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. You know what my you know you know what I think I would get from this example? Not that it teaches us to pray to Jesus. Here's what I deduce from that. If you see Jesus, you can speak to him. If you see Jesus, by all means talk to him. But I don't think that proves what we do in our normal practice of prayer. We're not we're not seeing Jesus. We're not miraculously in a, in a, being able to see Jesus as Stephen literally did there. So I, I don't think that proves what our practice in prayer should be. If you see Jesus, speak to him. By all means, talk to him. But if you're not seeing Jesus with your physical eye as Stephen did, then that doesn't tell us what to do when we pray. So you would have to ask the question: Is it prayer if you're if you see the person in person? I mean. It, so they weren't the apostles weren't praying to Jesus when they talked with him here on the earth. If you see the person, are you praying to them? Might have to ask that question. Yeah. I'd have to have that question answered, I guess, before I could pray to Jesus in faith. Because if I don't have faith that Jesus uh, wants me to to pray to him, then I can't uh, pray in faith, and my prayer would be of no effect. Real quickly, we're going to run out of time, Jake. If we don't get some of these others in, Jason in Pennsylvania says. Uh, if someone says you can't pray to Jesus, my question and response would be, can we sing to Jesus? We already yes. commented about yes, that. Can. We can sing praise to Jesus, but if we can't pray to him, then it wouldn't really be appropriate to sing prayerful requests to Jesus. I think we've got to be consistent there. The second question would be, can we worship Jesus? Well, yes, we can praise Jesus. Praising him is not necessarily praying to him. You might You might praise him in prayer, but you can praise him in other ways. If we cannot offer prayers to Jesus, I cannot see any way that we can say that that we can offer songs or worship either unless I'm missing something. And then he gives several comments. Jesus is called, uh, Jesus is a member of the Godhead, and he's called, uh, where's the name, Jehovah, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I don't know that proves that we can pray to him. First Corinthians 1, verse 2 says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, even to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that call on the name of the Lord Jesus in every place, their Lord and ours. 
we call on we call on the name of the Lord Jesus. That's not an expression of prayer. We call, uh, we're told uh, that salvation will be extended to all who call upon the name of the Lord. We call upon the Lord by obedience, not necessarily. That's not necessarily an expression that denotes prayer. Uh, in uh, Romans chapter ten, uh, it says, "Let me see this real quick." It says, "Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Well, we don't believe that means that you can pray and be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord in Romans 10. Uh, I don't 10, think Jason would argue that that would be prayer. Romans ten thirteen, where it says, call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, is not talking about prayer. So calling on the name of the Lord is not an expression of prayer. And then finally, he denotes, he notes uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. That's the passage that uh, Brad mentioned where uh, the where Paul approached the Lord three times uh for help with his thorn in the flesh. And Jason admits that it's possibly praying to Jesus. He's not conclusive. That one is vague, and I think Brad said it was vague. I'm not sure that proves it. Let's summarize Jason's arguments real quickly. He says we can worship Jesus, we can sing to Jesus. He says, therefore, he would conclude we could pray to Jesus, but that still begs the point that that we're asking to prove. Uh, Does not prove it, we wouldn't say. He said that the children of Israel could pray to Jehovah. Jesus is a part of Jehovah. Therefore, they could pray to, to Jesus. Why couldn't we? And then uh, he makes a reference to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, which we believe in error, is an error uh, when he says that uh, we could call upon the name of the Lord Jesus in every place. We believe that would be calling on the authority of the Lord Jesus, doing things as he is instructed. Uh, so uh, I would disagree with, with those conclusions, um, but uh, maybe some of our listeners would like to comment along those lines. We got an email from Anthony here in, in uh, Columbia who says, I think it would be going too far to condemn someone for praying to Jesus or to insist that this is a sinful practice. The Son, after all, is part of the Godhead. He is in heaven at the right hand of God. He is described as mediator and intercessor. Can we not speak to our mediator? Stephen prayed to Jesus in Acts 7. Was he wrong? We already commented on Acts 7. He, he goes on to say, I would also say that Revelation 22.17 and 22.20 are de facto prayers to Jesus. Read those, Jacob, 22.17 and 20. 22.17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Did I read the correct passage there? In 22.20, He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So, uh, he would say John was praying to Jesus when he said, even so, Lord, come Jesus. I don't believe that that necessarily was uh, maybe uh, directed towards Jesus more than it was an acknowledgment of the, the truths that Jesus presented there and uh, the uh, harmonization of, of John's will with that of, of the, Lord, the Father and with Jesus, where he acknowledges what Jesus has said and agrees with it. I don't necessarily think we would necessarily call that a prayer. Okay, real quick, Tanya has emailed in and references Stephen in Acts 7, I think, and she would come down on the side of saying, yes, you can pray to Jesus because of Stephen. Patrick has emailed in, and he says, yes, quite simply, Jesus is God himself, and God is the Father has given all authority to Jesus, and thus he has authority to answer prayers. Jesus appeared in visions on various occasions, and on those occasions, Jesus and the person he appeared to spoke directly. Again, that doesn't... That doesn't Tell us what our practice in prayer did. We're not having miraculous visions. If we had a miraculous vision, we saw Jesus, you could speak to him. But that wouldn't prove what I could do in prayer today. Say, okay, um, Paul on the road to Damascus saw Jesus. He wasn't praying to Jesus. But he spoke to him. But he saw him. He spoke to him. Okay. Uh, Patrick goes on and says, I know I've heard that if Jesus appeared in a vision, it's different because it's as if he were right there. 
he says that doesn't make sense to me. That's like saying that if you can't see Jesus, either he can't hear you or at least that because you can't see him, he's refusing to answer. Uh, he says Stephen was martyred in Acts 17. Stephen praised Jesus after the vision was ended, he says. Large portions of the book of Revelation show Jesus being worshipped by angels and saints in heaven. Is not prayer a form of worship? It is, but it's not the exclusive form of worship. So those are some thoughts of, of Patrick makes. And again, I, I personally, I couldn't agree with his arguments specifically. Uh, let's see who else we we've got. We've got a follow-up from Jason there we might want to get to. Uh, he just, uh, he uses, he asked us to comment uh uh, on John fourteen thirteen and 14, whatsoever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, in my name, ask in my name, ask me in my name. That's a that's a verse that we might want to consider, John that's, 14, that's 14. That's interesting. Okay. Let, let me real quick go to some arguments that I made. I take the position, I think, I think we're just kind of split on this question. It's interesting. We're just kind of split down the middle on this question. But let me offer some verses that have led me to the conclusion not to pray to Jesus. In Luke, Luke 11, verse 1. It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think that's real straightforward. Some of these others may be a little fuzzy. He, he didn't give them a multiple choice. He I said mean, you can do this or he this. He said, When you pray, say this. Okay. And he said it to the All Father. Right. Uh, to me, that's real straightforward. In Matthew 6, and Art, uh, Arthur in uh, Kalioka has sent in this passage too, but in Matthew 6, beginning verse 6, When thou pray, Jesus said, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father. And then he goes on and gives the model prayer. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He says, pray in this manner, and he says, our Father in heaven. His prayer, he, he taught them to address their prayers to the Father. All right. Uh, very clear. And then if we look over in John chapter 16, this one is very clear to me. John chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus talking about uh, life after his ascension into heaven. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. We ask the Father in his name. He says when that when the time comes when he's no longer here on earth, we will ask him nothing. So, again, it indicates to me that uh, we should be praying to the Father, not to the Son. Ephesians 5, verse 20, Paul said, Giving thanks always for, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians three seventeen, Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And so uh, I believe that the example that Jesus taught and what the apostles taught about prayers was to direct our prayers to Jesus. I mean, not to pray to Jesus, but to direct, direct our prayers to God the Father. And be very careful how you do that, because you might say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, I just said that exactly backwards. All right. We got an email from Phil. By the way, Phil's our, our, our web host, and we always thank Phil for yes, a he good... he is, and he's his, listening to his services on the other end tonight. Thanks, Phil, for, thank you, Phil, for helping us get the virtual Bible study out on the air. He said, my two cents worth, at the very minimum, we can thank our Lord, as Paul did in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. 1 Timothy 1, 12, Jacob. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says uh, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did okay. I read the correct passage? He's got uh, 1 Timothy 1, 12. Yeah. Um, 
uh, verse 11 says, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of uh, faith with power. Or maybe I have the wrong passage there. So, okay. uh, Phil, if you want to hurry up and uh, get in with uh, You know, maybe we should have, I think it's clear we should have devoted more time to this question. We've got uh, a comment. Okay, he wanted Second Timothy one twelve, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me uh, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Well, there's where he says, I thank the Lord Jesus. Second. Again, we'd have to ask if that thankfulness to, to the Lord Jesus was through prayer, expressed through prayer. Yeah, and I'm not sure it was. Uh, again, I think what we're seeing is that the verses that are used to, to argue in favor of praying for Jesus are at least less certain and less clear than the very clear statement that Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's and that clear. day you will ask me nothing. But you will say to pray to the Father. Jared in Cookville says, if we pray to the Father by Jesus' name, by whose name do we pray to the Son? In other words, we pray to the Father through the Son. If we pray to the Son, who do we pray through through, or by whose authority to the Son? Lots of questions there. Well, I think we're going to have to come back to this subject again in the future, Jacob. We just we didn't really get all the basic. I think we're pretty widely split on this question. You know what we, we could conclude? We know it's right to pray to the Father in the name of the Lord and Jesus Christ. And we have Christ. to have faith when we pray. And we can't have faith without hearing and, and, and having a clear example or command. If you can't pray with clear authority, can't pray to Jesus without clear and substantiated authority, without doubt or question, then I wouldn't do it. I know I can pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Uh, in other words, pray to the Father through the Son. I know that's right. And, so, and you have a command to do that, and you need to be doing it yeah. on a regular basis. So we, we, we probably want to revisit this subject again in the future. We're out of time, Jacob. But we should close with this uh, comment. If anyone disagrees with us, and many people likely will. <laughs> looks like we're, looks like we're really split on this question. Our, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear your thoughts uh, more conclusively. We're open to study on this. We hope you are as well. So let's just talk you know, about send, it. Send more emails in. Give us your arguments. Send us an audio comment with your arguments. We can we can read we can. If revisit. we get enough comments uh, on this between now and next week, we'll start the program next week uh, talking about this there, again. There you go. All right. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight, Dad. Thank you for your thoughts. Certainly, some important things for us to think about as we think about praying. Uh, we need to be uh, regular and faithful in our prayers, and without prayer, we cannot be the people God wants us to be. I think that's exactly right, and we, we need to be a people of prayer. So hopefully our comments tonight have been helpful and encourage people in that way. All right. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to studying with you again, and again, we look forward to hearing from you with your comments about tonight's program or any questions or comments you might have about any Bible subject. We look forward to hearing from you. Use the audio comment portion of our website and uh, save your fingers some work and just speak your comments to us on our website. We look forward to talking with you again next week on the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.